in your Bible. Romans 6. Yeah, if you don't have a Bible, there are some in the baskets. If you do not have a Bible, we will provide one for you. It makes me think of somebody like reading their rights. Mm-hmm. Reading somebody's rights. If you don't have a lawyer, we will provide one for you. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. Yeah. So, Daisy did a great job this morning. Can everybody recognize that and thank Daisy for sharing with us this morning? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, she was nervous. And she still did a great job. So, um, yeah, it was great. So, we haven't been in Romans since February 23rd. <laughs> I was looking at the last time that we actually uh, got together and were in Romans. The, the week after that, we did game night, and then we took um, two weeks off for because uh, we were in Salt Lake one Sunday, and then the following Sunday, we were all exhausted from being in the car for 26 hours. So, I was like, no, no gathering. <laughs> um, But we are back in Romans 6. We're going to pick up in verse 15. Um, So can anybody tell me some of the themes or some of the things that Paul has been talking about um, in the first five and a half chapters of Romans? Anybody? Jonathan? That we're saved by grace. Okay. What else? What was another theme that he's hit on? Okay, circumcision doesn't matter. That is a theme that he, that is something he talked about, right? That works don't matter. They don't save us. They don't help make us right with God. What else? Oh, sin. Yeah, he does talk about sin. Um, You want to be more specific or just throw out that blanket sin thing? Jacob can feed you some more specific answers. Everybody Everybody has sin. That's right. The, the Jews were no more special than the Gentiles, right? And the fact that we've all sinned and we all need Christ. Um, that goes back to that circumcision thing. Who are you? Just because you're a part of this nation doesn't make you more acceptable to God. Right? Um, so in Romans 6, Paul begins by asking this question, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? So we talked about that. And he says, by no means. He answers in the Greek with the strongest terms possible to say no. Um, that, that we don't just get to sin now um, all we want so that grace can abound. Just because we're under grace and not under the law. So we talked about that a little bit, that we have been united with him, that our position is important in thinking about the Christian life. The fact that we are united with Christ makes us act differently, should make us live differently, should cause us to see others differently. Our position is very important. And then we get into um, verse 12. He says, don't let sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Put to death the deeds of the flesh. Let your, present your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Since you are in Christ, since you are united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection, as people who have placed their faith in him, then, then don't sin, but rather pre- present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Do what is right. Do what is good. 
since you are not under law, but under grace. In other words, you should be acting better now that you're under grace than you would under the law, right? That's what, that's what Paul's saying. He's like, now that you're not under the law, now that you're free under the grace of God, you are free to live a righteous and holy life. And then he asks another question. This is where we pick up tonight in verse 15. Let's read. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? Again, he answers, by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit are you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. And its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can open your word. God, we thank you for this letter that Paul has written to the Christians in Rome. God, we thank you for its rich theology and what it says about your character and who you are. God, what it says about our sinful state and who we become in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray the people in this room have trusted in Jesus. And God, if they have not, I pray that you would open their hearts to receive the gospel, that they would see their need for a Savior and God, that they would seek to live their lives for your glory alone. God, I pray as we come to this text that you would give us ears to hear and, and minds that can understand what you would have to say to us through your servant, Paul. And pray that uh, most of all we would leave here changed by the power of your Spirit as we grow into the full maturity and the conformity of Christ. We ask these things in his name. Amen. Alright, so Paul begins with another question. He's kind of set up this, this whole chapter with the question, shall we continue in sin? By no means. Then he says in verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Because he just finished verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So are we to sin then because we are not under the law but under grace? And then he answers again, by no means. By no means. And then he is going to go on to give an explanation as to why we shouldn't do that. The first thing we need to notice about this passage, about what Paul is saying here, is that everyone is a slave. And that's, that's what he's going to continue to talk about th through the rest of this chapter, is the fact that we are all slaves to something. Adam and Eve were the only true free people that ever lived on this earth. Other than Jesus, of course. 
Adam and Eve were really the only true free human beings. They had the freedom to obey God or disobey God. Since Adam and Eve fell, we are all born into slavery. Ephesians 2 tells us we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so Ephesians 2 paints a pretty bleak picture of who we are. And we are born as slaves. And we are born as slaves to our sin. David says in Psalm 51, In sin my mother conceived me. Right? He recognized that from conception he was sinful. And he had a sin nature. He was a slave to sin. So Paul asked this question in verse 15. Since we are under grace and not under the law anymore, are we free to sin? Is essentially the question that he poses. Since we've been under the law, we knew that we couldn't, weren't supposed to sin because we had all these commandments to follow. We had this list of rules. But now you're saying, Paul, that we don't have to follow the rules to be acceptable to God. We're not under the law, but we're under grace. So now does that mean that we're free? We're free to sin. Paul says, no. And then he explains why in verse 16. Do you not know? Paul uses this phrase a lot throughout Romans, which is really important for us to understand. Knowledge is everything when it comes to the Christian life. If we don't know, how are we to then live? If you don't know what the Bible says about a topic, how do you know how you should respond as a Christian? If you don't know what God has said about something, then, then how do you know how to carry on or carry out the daily life as a believer? And so Paul will keep coming back to this question. Well, do you not know? Haven't you heard? Have you not read? Right? We've even seen Jesus ask that question um, to people he comes in contact with in the Gospels. Do you not know, Paul says in verse 16, that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. So Paul asks this long question. He says, don't you know that you're a slave to one or the other? You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. It depends on which one you obey. So yes, you have freedom. You have the freedom now to live righteously. But whichever one you obey is the one that you're going to be slave to. If you go back to your sin, then it will have charge over you. It will have command over you. It will be your master. Sinning isn't freedom. Sinning is slavery. Being in sin is slavery. We don't get that in our modern culture, right? The modern culture would tell you that sinning is freedom. It's freedom to go out and drink and party and have a good time. Drive my car as fast as I want to drive my car. Have sex with whoever I want to have sex with. That's freedom, right? You hear people talk about marriage in a way that it is slavery. It's bondage. I've got the old ball and chain, right? And, and she's holding me back. And now I can't be with all these other girls because i got this one girl now that I have to be with, right? And it seems as though 
that sin brings freedom. And righteousness is somehow bondage or slavery. But Paul and the Gospels and Jesus would argue that it's the exact opposite. That our sin is actually what's enslaving. How many of you have ever sinned and then felt good afterwards? For a short time, right? Some, sometimes there's pleasure that comes after it. But how many of you have sinned and then you feel guilt? Right? And how many of you does that guilt go away pretty quick? No, it usually doesn't go away very quick, right? Um, especially if we don't confess it. If we don't come before God and confess and repent and, and trust by faith that he's forgiven us of sin. The guilt weighs on us. It becomes this burden that we carry around. And that's what Paul's talking about. Sin is enslaving. You find yourself, that's all you can think about. And every time somebody talks about, uh, is reading the Bible or is talking about sin, you feel like they're talking to me. Right? And, and you kind of coil up and, and you don't let people in. You kind of start building walls and you don't want to be honest with people or open because you've got this sin that's infecting you. That's what Paul says. Sin is bondage. It's slavery. Why would you want to go back to that? Do you not know that whoever you present yourself to at, through obedience, that, that you're going to be slave to that thing, either to sin or to righteousness? What's better? So if we're slaves, then how can we be free? If we're slaves to one thing or the other, then how can we ever be free? He goes on in verse 17. But thanks be to God. Now that's a big conjunction, right? Um, but. We've got this idea that something's about to change. Right? He's talked about the fact that we are slaves to sin or righteousness. But. But. Thanks be to God. Notice what Paul says and what he does here he starts with God he doesn't start with you he doesn't start with himself he starts with God he doesn't say but thankfully you trusted in Jesus he doesn't say or but you've started living so well he doesn't start applauding the people right he doesn't say but you've gained all of this knowledge and now you're a changed person. He starts by thanking God. God is the only one who can set us free from sin. Paul recognizes that. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. What is he talking about? This he, They become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching which you were committed. They become obedient from the heart to the gospel. The gospel that calls them to repent and trust in Jesus Christ. For salvation. This is the obedience that we are to have. This is what scripture is talking about when it says for us to be obedient. It's to submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To trust in him for salvation. In him alone, not in our own works. 
Thanks be to God. Now what does that have to do with me obeying? If Paul goes on to say that it's about our obedience, thanks be to God that you have become obedient to the teaching which you were committed. What, what does God have to do with that? Without God intervening in your life and opening your heart to the gospel, you would not have become obedient. You would have remained a slave to your sin. See, somebody has to come in and free you. You can't free yourself. And God has done that by sending His Son. And not only that, but God opens our hearts. He takes hearts of stone and makes them hearts of flesh. And He opens our eyes to see the gospel. He calls us out of our sin. We are no longer slaves to sin, but now we can obey the gospel. We can follow Christ. We can trust in Him for salvation. We can only be free from sin by becoming slaves to something else. We can only be free from our sin by becoming slaves to something else. And that comes in verse 18. Notice the passive nature of this. And having been set free from sin, doesn't say having liberated yourself, having revolted against your sin, having become obedient. It says having been set free. Paul talks with passive language as though someone else has done this for you. You didn't set yourself free. You didn't break out of your chains. You didn't break out of sin on your own volition. But someone has come and set you free. Having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. This is how freedom from sin happens. You must submit to another master. I mean, Paul just said, you're either slaves of righteousness or you're slaves of sin. We're always a slave. But what would be better to be a slave to our sin or to righteousness. And Paul knows that you're going to ask that question. Well, I mean, in the here and the now, it seems that sin can be more fun. It seems like it would be more enjoyable. It seems like it would bring more pleasure. It seems like people would like me more. I have a lot more friends. Sin doesn't seem that bad. Maybe it's cool to be a slave to sin now and we can worry about the righteousness stuff later. And Paul knows that that's going to be a question. So, so which one do you choose? You have to be a slave to one or the other. So what are the rewards of slavery to sin? What are the rewards of slavery to righteousness? And Paul begins a comparison in verse 19. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. In other words, Paul just said, you dumb, so I'm talking about this in a very simplistic way. All right? Um, and so he says, I'm going to speak to you in human terms because of your natural limitations. You can't understand. So here we go. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So the first thing he says is that being slaves to impurity or to lawlessness or to our sin only led to more sin. 
How many of you have ever told a lie and then you had to tell another lie to cover up that lie and you had to tell another lie to cover up that lie, right? It's an endless cycle that goes on and on. One sin leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. A very popular quote that I heard a lot growing up is, sin always takes you farther than you want to go and leaves you longer than you want to stay. It always takes you further than you want to go and it leaves you longer than you want to say. And that's essentially what Paul's saying here. He says, you presented your members, your body, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. You didn't get anywhere. It just led you down the road to more and more sin. And what was the reward of that sin? More and more sin. But he says, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to what? To sanctification. Sanctification means being set apart for a specific calling or purpose. Being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So Paul says, whereas your sin leads to more and more sin, and you just become ensnared further and further deep into your sin... If you present your body as members of righteousness, it will lead to your sanctification. It will lead to you becoming more and more like Christ. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, you were slave to sin, you, you had no righteousness. You were free in regards to righteousness. You couldn't obtain it. But what fruit were you getting at the time of the things of which you are now ashamed? And even in the question, Paul is giving us a reward of our sin. It's shame. What fruit were you getting at that time? When you were a slave to your sin, what fruit were you getting from the things of which you are now ashamed? Well, first of all, you were getting shame from those things. Right? We talked about it earlier. You kind of turn inward. You don't open up to people as much. When people talk about a certain sin that you may know that you are in, that you are committing, you feel shameful. And many times we keep from confessing that sin to other believers or close friends because we know it's shameful and it will bring shame on us. Paul said, what fruit were you getting from those things? For the end of those things, the end of verse 21, is death. That's what you get. That's the fruit of disobedience. That's the fruit of your sin. That's the fruit of lawlessness. He said, is death. And then he gives us another big contrasting word, verse 22. But now, now that you are set free from sin have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. Whereas sin led to shame and to death. Being slaves of God leads to sanctification and eternal life. You get shame and death or sanctification and life everlasting which one sounds better that's what Paul's doing for these believers he's trying to take them through this process of thinking about their sin 
Your first question is, oh, we're under grace. Let's sin more so that grace can abound. Let's sin more. It's more fun. And then Paul says, do you want death and shame? Or do you want sanctification and life? Do you want to grow in righteousness? The two don't even compare. Eternal life is far greater than death. And becoming more like Christ is far greater than shame and guilt and condemnation. And then he ends by saying this verse we quote often. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we get for our sin may be temporarily pleasing, may bring us temporary happiness, but then after that's over, there's guilt, there's shame, and then ultimately there's death. But this free gift that God offers, and this is where Paul's been going this whole time, it all culminates right here. The free gift of God, the one that you don't have to work for, the one that your societal status doesn't affect, the gift that doesn't come because you were born into a certain family or part of a certain nation or people group. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you get this simply by placing faith in Jesus Christ. And you are freed from the bondage of sin and made a slave of a holy God. And a professor of mine always said this and, and I remember it and I repeat it often. God never does anything less than his infinite perfect best. He will never do anything less than his infinite, perfect, best. How great is it to be a slave to the God who never does anything less than his infinite, perfect, best? How much better is it to be a slave of his than to be a slave to our sin, which all it leads to is our shame and our guilt and our death? So much better. So this week, when you're up late at night and the computer's on and nobody's around and they won't know and this brings temporary pleasure, so maybe I'll just look up one or two websites. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus Christ is life. Spend so much time trying to be accepted by the world, trying to be like the world, trying to gain popularity among our friends. And so maybe I'll take part in, in this thing for a little while just because I, I, want, I want them to like me. So I'll take part in the crude joking that goes on. I'll take part in this party just 
because I want them to like me. And sometimes we might even justify it. Well, I mean, if I'm going to share the gospel with them, I need to, you know, be friends with them, and I need to, to become close with them, and by going to this party, by doing the same things that they do, it'll help us have a bond, so then maybe I can share the gospel with them later. But what's happening is you become captive to your sin rather than slaves to the righteousness of God. So it's my prayer that um, we would continue to go back to Romans 6 and see what Paul has to say about our sin, that we would remember what Paul has said, that we are slaves to one or the other. It depends on who we want to obey. Do we want to obey Jesus or do we want to obey our sinful flesh? Or do you not know that you have been set free? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant, Paul. God, we thank you for life in Jesus Christ by grace, not by works that we have done. God, we know that our works only lead to shame, guilt, and death. And Father, I pray that everyone in this room has trusted by faith in the free gift offered in Jesus Christ that we can have life eternal. God, I pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be on our lips constantly. God, that we would be seeking opportunities to talk to friends and family about this good news. God, that they would understand that they are slaves to sin. And God, that they would understand the glorious freedom that is found in being a slave of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.